Hello and welcome to day 26 of A Year of War and Peace. I'm Brett. And I'm Logan. And today we are reading Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 1. We begin the second part of the book and enter into the war. Well, the second part of volume one. The second part of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have more part twos in the future, but. <laughs> um, but now we're, it's wartime now. <gasps> and we go straight to the uh, Russians in Austria. It's October 1805. We get the date right off the bat. So now we know what time it is. No more confusion about dates or years or anything. And we are we enter in with a regiment of uh, Russian infantry outside two thousand men outside the town of Braunau, and they are preparing to be inspected by Commander in Chief General Kutuzov, who yes. we've heard of before. This the point. infamous, the infamous. His his reputation precedes it him. It really does. Everyone's talking about him. Everyone has something to say about General Kutuzov. Yes. Uh, well, he's going to come inspect this regiment, and the regiment commander doesn't know whether he was supposed to have his men in full fancy dress or in normal marching dress. In normal poo-poo dress. In normal poo-poo dress. <laughs> I, I love how they. I love how so much stock is placed in their little outfits. Yeah, and like the, really present, awesome. the presentation of of the of the army. Never mind you that they've marched like seven hundred miles at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> these men, they like just got here last night, and he's like, "Oh, so you don't have your coat on? You're ugly." <laughs> Russian Fashion Week. Um, it's a, yeah. It's noted that all of their clothes are spick and span. All their uniforms and equipment is all together. It's all perfect, except for their boots. More than half of their boots had holes in them. Imagine, imagine marching with just holes in your boots and yeah. like the wet ground, Ugh. cold ground, just well, squishing between your toe, between <laughs> nine toes. Well, the the challenge of actually supplying shoes. Right? For armies was a major logistical problem well, I would Im- for all armies at the time. I would imagine also like access to leather and mm-hmm. access, like just the sheer volume in which you have to output the same boot yeah. over and over again. There's no factories. Yeah. Like the Industrial Revolution, has it, has the Industrial Revolution taken place? I think it's beginning. I think it starts, it really goes underway like in the mid 1800s because that's when you get steam power and railroads yeah. and ironclads and all that stuff. But so there's no, industrial, really, there's no really. industrialization. These yeah. boots are getting what? Made by hand? Probably. Or like simple machines. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and there's just 2,000 men just in this regimen. Yeah. Well, when we're telling up the numbers in the conversation between Andre and his dad, he said there's like half a million soldiers in the coalition allied army. And the French Grand Armée at this time is over 200,000 men. So that's coming up on a million men who it's all a lot need of boots. to be supplied to match hundred of, hundreds of miles over Europe. Of boots and leather. Boots and leather. Fun fact, Napoleon himself, over the course of his career, I believe wrote over 2,000 letters just about supplying his armies with boots, just regarding shoeing his, his forces. That's crazy. Yeah, I think that that's a true, true And in fact. one of those letters he writes... I'll be home in three days. Don't wash. Well, that's one of his other letters. He wrote that to the leather maker. (laughs) (laughs) He had a secret affair with his leather. That's how you want to know how he supplied his army with boots. Oh, sex. He did. He did the work. He was on the ground. (laughs) That's so stupid. But yeah, so we have a a regiment of men here, uh, all getting supplied, and so the general decides to dress them up in their fancy clothes. Um, And this general sucks. Yeah. 
He's kind of the worst. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing, and then he goes around to his. He like tries to pick a fight with every um oh, with every yeah, regiment. Yeah. What's he doing? Hey man, managers. <laughs> it's crazy that you are in charge of leading a group of people, and you just like actively try and make those people not like you. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? Set an example, man. It's a Keep bad, the discipline of the troops high. It's a bad strategy. <laughs> if I do say so, I know nothing about leading armies. But I, I'm just going to say, if I was in this army, I would not like this guy. Well. He would not inspire me to fight for the motherland. <laughs> I'd be like, if there's guys like this in the motherland, maybe, I'm le- maybe I'll leave. <laughs> maybe I'll leave. Desertion talk. <laughs> It's no pro yeah, desertion you wouldn't, podcast. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. You wouldn't fit. You wouldn't make it. No, I don't think so. I don't think army. I'd be very good in the army. I'm not very good at following directions. Like someone tells mm. me to do something, and then my immediate impulse is just to not do it because yeah, I hate being told what to do. I don't think that would fly very long. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, he he dresses them up in their full fancy clothes, their full dress for for parade and and show showiness, and then a messenger comes in. And informs him that actually Kutuzov is arguing with the Austrians and basically trying to delay and give his forces more time to arrive. And so he wants to illustrate how worn out they are. He wants them. He wants them to actually see his Russian soldiers and be like, "Oh, these guys are tired. These from guys look a little marching tired. all the way across Europe. We should maybe slow down a little bit." And so he actually wants them to be in normal marching clothes and not to look super nice and in great shape. And I so, mean, all you got to do is look at their boots. They <laughs> yeah. put seven. They walk a hundred miles in those Louboutins. Like, come on, man! <laughs> like seven hundred miles, and you're gonna look at them and be like, you know what? These guys look ready to do march into battle, march into kill, fire some slaughter. guns. Oh, brother! So then everybody has to change into their great coats. There's a flurry of movement in the camp as they all as they all swap around and switch out their don- clothes. They all don their accoutrement. Indeed, and then they get all their gray great coats on. But then one man <gasps> has a blue great coat. Who could that be? The audacity! Who could it be? It's Dolokhov. Yeah, Dolokhov is Anatole's friend, the man who did the bet where he drank all the he vodka, drank the vodka on, on the, roof. the windowsill on the roof on the roof. Yeah. So he's, and then tied a bear to a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> so this is punishment for the for the bear incident. He's now been reduced to the ranks. He's a common soldier among this regiment. Woof, rather man. Rather than an officer. Woof. And you can see that he's not happy he's, about he's it. He's not into it. Honestly, I'd be kind of pissed too. Yeah. But it's interesting. You can tell that he's not into it, but you can tell that all the other officers know that he's not just like any yeah. old soldier. You can tell that they're, they're all kind of like treading a little softly around him. Yeah. And he's treading a little... He's treading very. <laughs> he's definitely pushing his limits and his ability to speak back yeah. against um, his presiding. He's me if I was in the army. <laughs> I'm the Dolokhov. So yeah, you can tell his, his noble status clearly still still means something. He's yes. not being treated like the other peasant rabble uh, here in the regiment. Which I was going to ask you this: if you're rich, does that just automatically mean you start as an officer? I think so, yeah. So we'll see this a little bit more later, I think. But one of the differences between Napoleon's armies and a lot of the older Ancien Regime armies at the time was that, for the most part, officer positions and commissions like that were just like given to given high to, clout individuals yeah. who asked for them. Like, who, it's like Prince Andre was just given a letter by his father. Yeah, exactly. Um, Napoleon's army, one of the ways it's revolutionary is that Napoleon will 
promote very much based on merit with little mm. with little mind for aristocratic nobility. Of course, it's the French Revolution, so none of them had much of mind for nob- yeah. noble aristocrats at the time. But that's one of the advantages that Napoleon's army will have over the other European armies is that his officers are actually good at what they do and not just rich guys <laughs> <laughs> who wanted to go to war. <laughs> But yes, so um, I think most, if not all, of the officers are nobility. And so no, it, is, it is a punishment for Dolokhov to be serving as a regular mm-hmm. soldier. So it's, it is abnormal, and he's, he's out of place there. Yeah, clearly, with his blue coat. <laughs> oh my gosh. He wants to stand out. And then the general tries to tries to get him in the line, and then Dolokhov stands up to him, and the general kind of, kind of demurs, and yeah. he's kind of like, hey man, just, just change your coat, just man. Just change your coat, man. And the Come stomps on. off. Make it easy for me. I got to report to my boss today. <laughs> All these people are just at work right now. Yeah. I like, mean, that's yes. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's an interesting note here to point out in terms of the, the thing with Kutuzov and wanting to see that the army is in bad shape and mm-hmm. like disagreeing with the Austrian generals is the division between the forces of the coalition. Yes. Like their, their difficulties working together, the fact that they have different strategies and there's you know, the Austrians and the Russians all have different commanders who all want different things and have different plans. And they're kind of bouncing off of each other a little bit here, even at the very beginning of the campaign as they try to get organized. And historically, Kutuzov will argue for a much more defensive strategy to wait for more reinforcements to come in from Russia to slow things down where the Austrians want to get ahead and face Napoleon and brush him down basically as quickly as they can. And so you can already see the division between those forces yeah i don't know either also like which which would be better because it's not like they're they're fighting for like an acquisition of land Mm -hmm. right they're just trying to maintain yeah so the this isn't really a territorial war it's mainly to keep napoleon's ambitions in check the austrians are to to napoleon it's a territorial war it will be he will gain territory from it but the third coalition formed Partially because of the execution of the Duke Dongian, who we were talking about mm, earlier, mm-hmm. as a reaction to that, as a reaction to Napoleon de- declaring himself emperor, and as a reaction to France's increasing influence in Italy and in Germany, which were under the influence of the Austrian Holy Roman Empire at the time. So they're kind of just coming together to try and check Napoleon, mm-hmm. part of that balance of power idea. He's getting too far ahead of the rest of the pack, and they kind of just, they're all trying to kind of grab him and bring him back into line. So it's not explicitly right now a war over territory. There will be territorial gains and changes as a result of this conflict, though. I wish we could show a map to everyone. Yeah, well, you can. You can Google Google, it. Google 1805 Europe map. There's plenty of them if you need to. If you need a visual reference, there's enough of them on that li- online on, on that Google. <laughs> Dude, I, I sound like an old man. <laughs> Because of my cold, your your ever my, cold, uh, my for, my literally forever cold. I I wake up one day and it's gone, and then the next day, all of a sudden, it's back, and I'm coughing and can't breathe. I it's crazy. Long cold, David. I didn't have COVID though, so stop spreading rumors. I know, so it's cold, but <laughs> you have any else in this chapter? No, I don't think so. It's your turn to rank to send to. Send, it's your turn to send a ranking. Set a ranking, okay. We've got to do Dolokhov, the general, the commander of the regiment. Yes. And we'll do um, the captain of Dolokhov's brigade or division. The mm, guy the general okay. talks to yeah, and is yeah. like, hey. And the guy, the captain's like, no, sir. That's, no, sir. that's Dolokhov. <laughs> Don't it's, get it's, on his bad side. It's Dolokhov. 
You should not be named Dolokhov. That's the bear one. Uh, so Dolokhov, the general, and the captain. Who has this fashion sense? Okay, Dolokhov is number one because he's daring and wants to go against the grain. Mm-hmm. The captain is number two. And the general's last because any girl who's mean is fugly. Mm. Being mean is out in 2024. Okay. Being yourself is in. So true. So you tell them. That's um that's my ranking. That's your ranking. That's your definitive ranking. I agree. Don't I be mean. That. Be yourself. <laughs> Dolikov would never be mean. He's Do- so- <laughs> Dolikov would never be mean. I actually would not. I'm not willing to put a lot of money on that. <laughs> but it, he's himself. So he's bold. He's serving. He's bold and honest, and that's what matters. That is true. He's innovative. Okay, that's chapter one, part two. <laughs> oh, brother. All right. See y'all tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow.